Lord, we are so appreciative of your faithfulness. Sometimes we take it for such granted that you will always be there, that your word is there to comfort and guide us. That your son took our place. That we have a responsibility as believers to share our faith. We take these things for granted instead of recognizing how faithful you have been and how faithful we have called to be. Lord, I pray that you will be with us this morning as we look into your word. Lord, I pray that you will get me out of the way so that what you want me to communicate will be heard loud and clear. Lord, I just pray this in your son's most mighty name. Amen. Matthew chapter 1. And this shows us how God is really in charge this year, despite the Matthew chapter 1. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. After he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He played such a huge role in the life of Jesus. Starting when the woman that he was engaged to came to him and said, I am pregnant. And we know it's not yours because we have not been together. And in that moment, nobody would have blamed him had he turned around and walked away. In that exact moment that she told him that, he could have got up and walked away and nobody would have, would have held him to that like he was the bad guy. People would have felt like, okay, he was the one who was wrong there. He had every right to walk away. But, but scripture tells us, he was a righteous man. He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to hurt her. So his thought was he's going to divorce her quietly. What that meant was he was going to move with her to another town and divorce her there so that she would not be embarrassed where they were from. Because he did not want to hurt her. And, and as he was considering this, as he was making this plan... Then this angel appears to him in a dream and says, look, this is, this is God's plan. You have got to stick, to stick through this. And so he got up from that dream. It says when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. What faith in God this young man had because he followed through with this. He married this woman. Do you think he understood what this was all about? I mean, you talk about a guy who has a lot of follow-up questions that he didn't get any answers to. It was Joseph. He was as confused about this as Mary was trying, okay, we know this is from God, but why is this from God? Why is God doing this? What could this possibly mean? But he obeyed and he, he went through 
with this marriage. And, and I am not trying to be funny with this, but talk about faith to God. I am not going to ask for a show of hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But do you know anybody who got married and waited seven or eight months until they had sex? Obedience to God's plan demonstrated right there. I wish we had young men like Joseph. I wish I had been a young man like Joseph. Faithful to God, even when he doesn't understand what's going on, even when it is taking away something I'm sure he was looking forward to, even when it was disrupting the way he thought marriage was going to be, don't we all kind of get an idea in our head of what marriage is going to be like or what a new job is going to be like or what it's going to be like when we move? And then it's, it's never that way, but we get these ideas. He had this idea and then it was turned completely upside down. It wasn't just different than he thought it was going to be. It was completely different than what he thought it was going to be. And yet he did what God had asked him to do, even through that. Being faithful is, is a choice that we make. And I think there are two kinds of being faithful. Bear with me, because this is going to be really short. We're not going to belabor this. And, and there's a lot I could say about being faithful. I could dig through the New Testament and we could be here till 2 o'clock. But I'm going to keep this short because as I look around the room, I think we understand being faithful in a spiritual sense. But I want to encourage us about there's two different kinds of faithful and which one we should look for. Now, the first kind we've probably all been very guilty of. I was a very faithful in my prayer life. Nobody was more faithful in their prayer life than I was as a child on report card day. I am not kidding. When I was in high school and it was time to take a final for a class I'd hardly done any homework in and I never took the book home and I never studied, as they're passing out the final, my prayer life was all about being faithful. I hadn't talked to God for months, but in that moment I had a deep conversation with him, born almost completely out of fear. I one time totaled a car. I had just gotten out of the army and I, I, I totaled a car. I was driving down a road. I had driven down many, many, many times before. I was a believer. My, my prayer life was, was fairly consistent, but nowhere near where it should have been. My Bible reading was fairly consistent, but nowhere near where it should have been. And I'm driving down this road. I had driven down dozens of times. And, and I always knew it kind of the road kind of had a little bit of a, of a hill to it up and down. And when you go past the red barn, you go over the next hill, there's a stop sign right at the bottom of the hill. It was a warm spring day and the music was loud in the car and the windows were down. And, and I, was, I was having a nice time and I went over that hill and that stop sign surprised me. And I slammed on the brakes and the car turned sideways and then began to roll over and I went through this intersection upside down sideways at about 60 or 70 miles an hour. Inside that car, upside down sideways, my prayer life was pretty good. 30 seconds before that, I wasn't really thinking of, of God at all. 
I think we've all been guilty of suddenly becoming very spiritual when life suddenly becomes very hard or very confusing or very scary. I think that's a natural instinct. But there are so many Christians that their entire faith revolves around that. They'll go to church on Christmas Eve. They'll go to church on Easter. They'll, they'll even hit church a few other times during the year. They've got a Bible somewhere in their house. But the most time they spend with God is when life scares them or when life gets confusing or when life gets hard or somebody close to them is hurt or, or, or has some sort of pain. The second kind of faithful is the one where we make a choice that we are going to be faithful and then we take steps to feed that faithfulness to keep it strong. You cannot make your mind up on January 1st when people make New Year's resolutions that you are going to get in shape in 2021 and then you spend the rest of the year eating Oreos and sitting on the couch. In December of 2021, you're going to be in a shape, but you are not going to be in shape. You've got to take that commitment and then follow it through. You can't get married and say, take those wedding vows and then spend your marriage seeking sex somewhere else, seeking encouragement somewhere else, seeking friendship somewhere else. You can't take those marriage vows seriously on your wedding day and then stray from them for weeks and months and years and expect that marriage to still be strong. You can't have a child and say, I want to raise them to do the right thing. And then just let, let the world have at them. Put a phone in their hand and let the internet answer all their questions. Stick them in front of the television and count on television to teach them about life. You can't do that. And then when they're 18 years old, wonder how come they're not interested in God? How come they don't have the, the integrity that you want them to have? How come they don't have the compassion you want them to have? You can't just say the day they're born, God, I'm going to raise this child right and then just leave them alone. You've got to pour into them. And, and being faithful to God is much like that. We've got to make this, this commitment and then we have to feed that. One of the ways that we have provided to feed that in, in this church is we've got the memory verses. What is the memory verse for this month? Who knows it? The, pa the pastor has his hand up, which I, I'm, not, I'm not bragging on him. I'm just letting you know that it's good that the pastor knows the memory verse. I'm going to pull it up here so I get it word for word. Memorization. Nobody in this church struggles with memorization like me. I can get the memory verse down except for like two or three words in the middle of it every single month. Isaiah 9, 6. Who knows it? But she's got it. She's got it. It's not word for word what I have, but she's got a different version than what I have. Anybody else? Anybody else confident enough to take a swing at it? Isaiah 9, 6, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, 
and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That is our memory verse for this month. Memorizing that is one of the ways that you are faithful to God because that's imprinting scripture in your heart. Attempting to memorize it is one of the ways you are faithful to God because that will imprint scripture in your heart. You may not have it word for word, but knowing it word for word isn't going to get you into heaven. Knowing it word for word isn't going to make the pastor love you anymore. Knowing it word for word isn't going to get you a free sandwich up at Hardy's. Knowing it word for word is great, but attempting to memorizing it and having it most of the way is going to draw you close to God. This is one of those deals where, where effort counts like results. Because wanting to draw closer to God, if you show up to memorize and you want to draw closer to God, what do you think is going to happen? Even if you were like me and you can't memorize your own phone number. And I can't. When somebody asks me my phone number, i got to get into the phone and look it up to give it to them. But if you want to draw closer to God and you try to memorize, God is going to pull you in. God is going to show up in your life and you are going to get closer to him even if you can't memorize any more than the first two words of that scripture. It doesn't make you a bad Christian if you struggle with memorization. It, it makes you a bad Christian if you don't even care to try. That attempt will pull you in. That's one of the things we provided. We have also provided, I think, even better than a memory verse, and I think memorizing scripture is really important, even better than a memory verse, the daily Bible readings. What's our, what was our daily Bible reading for today? Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. Did you read it? Okay, but you saw it. You are what you're going to go. It's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to read it on the way home, right? Okay, so she, she's got a plan. Proverbs 6. What was yesterday's? What was the day before? You, you're, you're getting a pattern here. What's tomorrow going to be? Yes, you're, you're, you're figuring out the pattern. We are reading through Proverbs again. We did this. We've read through Proverbs as a church before. But Proverbs is great. So much wisdom, and Proverbs reads quick. We're not asking you to spend three hours in the morning reading your Bible. One chapter of Proverbs, you can read through that in two or three minutes. <laughs> but, but we've got some questions with that. What does this scripture mean? What does this scripture mean to you? What is this scripture trying to tell you? Because we don't want you to read it just to check it off the list. We want you to read it to spend some time with God's word and see what God's word is going to tell you. God's word is one of those things that you can read it and it's new every time you read it, even when you've read it before and it is going to speak to you. I have told young people for years, when I pray, that's my chance to talk to God. When I open his word and I read, that's his chance to talk to me if I am paying attention to what I read. Because if I'm just reading it to check it off the list, and I'm busy thinking about other stuff. When my eyes go over the words, I'm not going to get anything out of it. But if I open that book and I say, God, tell me something. And I start reading, God is going to tell me something. And sometimes what he tells me is so encouraging that I just want to run out into traffic and stop a car and tell him about Jesus. And sometimes what he tells me is like he's slapping me in the back of the head and saying, get it together, dude. You're supposed to be one of my followers and you have got some serious gaps 
in who you claim to be and who you really are, and you've got some stuff to fix. But if I open God's word and say, God, tell me something, he's going to show up and he's going to tell me something. He is going to give me an opportunity to serve him, either by becoming better or by sharing my faith or, or, or whatever. He is going to show up in that way. If you want to be like Joseph and be faithful to God all the time, not just when life is good, not just when you're, you're making your marriage plans to this beautiful young lady, but when life gets confusing and the angel shows up and the angel says, well, yeah, I know she's pregnant and I know it's not yours because you haven't slept with her, but you're going to marry her anyways. And that's part of God's plan. And you have a thousand follow-up questions and you don't get answers to any one of them. And you are still faithful. If you want to be like that, you have to take the steps to be like that. Don't just count on being able to stand up when, when the, the crisis arrives. You need to start preparing for that today in small ways. Get into God's word. Memorize or attempt to memorize the scripture. Spend time with other believers. And that has been a challenge in 2020 because I'll bet there's, there's nobody in this room who has had all the fellowship they want to have this year or maybe even all the fellowship they feel like they needed to have this year. We have been very disconnected. As much as we have tried to stay connected, there's been a lot of disconnect and we haven't had a lot of control over that. But see, to me, that has been an opportunity for me to look at God and say, okay, I'm going to be faithful through this, even though I don't understand what's happening. And, and, you know, we joke a lot about 2020 has been a rough year. On December 31st of 2020, it's not going to go away, and we're not going to wake up on January 1st with everything fixed and back to normal. The stuff we're struggling with, we're still going to be struggling with. Politics will still be ugly in January. The coronavirus is still going to be around in January. The 6 o'clock news is still going to be dark and depressing in January. We're still going to be struggling. People will still be sick. People will still be struggling financially. We, are, we will still be struggling to figure out what's the best way to do church. One service, two, church, two services, three services, service from the porch. Some other thing that we haven't even been smart enough to figure out what it is yet. It's, it's still going to be there, and we are still going to have this opportunity to either be faithful to God through that when it's hard, or to just wait to be faithful until it gets really, really hard and confusing for us. Wait until that car is upside down to start your prayer life. Or you can begin right now, so that you will not need to start your prayer life when that car is upside down. I want to share a, one last example with you. Years ago, I was, I was part of a youth group. I was, I was one of the adults. I was volunteering in there. And there was a young man in this youth group. This was back in Ohio. And he was a Cleveland Browns fanatic. He loved the Browns. He, he lived for the Browns. Ate and slept for the Browns. Existed for the Cleveland Browns. He just loved the Cleveland Browns. And there was this young girl in the youth group, and they were sort of almost dating. They, they liked each other. They spent time together. And her dad worked for the Cleveland Browns somehow in the, the PR department or something. And he was able to get them tickets to a home game when the Cleveland Browns were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
And that's like, that's the big rivalry. That's the game everybody waits for. And right down front, they had these two tickets for that game, for the game of the year. This kid talked about that for three weeks before that game. He was more excited to see the game than he was to go out on the date with this girl that he liked. So they get to the game, him and this young lady, and they're sitting there. And right behind them were these, these guys at the football game that were, they were using some foul language, and they had been having some liquid refreshment. And, and they were not behaving in a family-friendly way. And, and after too many minutes of the game, just a few minutes, he had turned around and he said to him, he says, look, guys, we're trying to enjoy the game. I've got a young lady with me. Could we change the language and change the tone just a little bit? And then that, of course, made it worse. And then they began to talk about him and about the young lady that he was with. This kid had been waiting to see that game for a year. He had been waiting to see it live for three weeks. He hadn't been able to sleep. He was so excited. And here he is, and, and, it's, and it's getting rough. And so he says to the young lady, come on, let's not, let's not put up with this. And they got up, and he took her away from that. He gave up watching the game to remove her from that environment. See, this young man admitted afterwards that several years earlier, he had made this commitment to God that he was going to do things that he felt honored God, even when it was hard, even when he was going to have to make a sacrifice. And he said, sitting there in front of that game, live and in technicolor, right in front of him, he knew that it wasn't going to honor God to ignore the feelings of that young lady and sit there and enjoy the rest of that game. And he said, I can't make this commitment that I'm going to be faithful to what God wants me to do and then not do it as soon as it gets inconvenient. So he got up and he walked away from that game. How many of us have failed a similar test? I could fill up a book writing about times I have failed that test. You know how we pass that test? You know how we are faithful to God when life is hard? You know how we are faithful to God like Joseph was when he had a bunch of unanswered questions and he was facing what could have possibly been a, a social problem for him, a spiritual problem as people questioned, are you really honoring God in this? What's going on with this marriage? This girl's pregnant and you're not even, even married to her yet. What's happening here? As he's facing all of these what ifs, and he is faithful to God. Do you know how we pass that test? You know how he passed that test? By having made his mind up earlier that he was going to honor God. Because somebody who didn't have it in their heart to honor God, when that angel showed up and said, this is from God and you, you need to do this anyways. Somebody who didn't have it in their heart to honor God would have got up out of that bed and said, look, that was a crazy dream. Let's go get divorced. But he had made his mind up ahead of time. I am sure this young man fed his relationship with God. So when life got hard and scary, he was able to do that. Are you feeding your relationship with God? I look around this church and I'm pretty confident that most of the people in this room are doing that. But are all of you doing that? 
Are you doing it to the extent that you're going to need to? Because if 2020 has taught us anything, we're not in control of anything. Life not only can get hard, it does get hard, and it might get worse. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but it might get worse. And when it gets worse, are you going to run? Or are you going to be Joseph? God, I don't understand what's going on, but I understand what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. Lord, I pray that our opportunities to be faithful to you this week will be abundantly clear. I'm not praying that you give us those opportunities because, Lord, I know you put those opportunities in our lives every day. And, Lord, sometimes we meet those opportunities head on and we serve you. Lord, sometimes I see those opportunities and I ignore them. Lord, sometimes I see them and I run the other direction. So, Lord, I pray that this week, for everybody listening to this right now, those opportunities will be made abundantly clear. And our hearts will be pricked to do the right thing, to be faithful, even when it's hard, even when it costs something, even when there is a sacrifice involved. Lord, I pray that we will honor you. And Lord, this month, this season, what a great opportunity for Christians to show the way about why our faith is important. It's not about the gifts and it's not about the tree and it's not about the Christmas carols. It's about you hanging on the cross. It is about your blood washing us white and pure. It is about us as sinners being able to be in the presence of a sinless God who cannot be near sin and us having the opportunity to stand with this sinless God who cannot be near sin because the blood of his son has covered our sin and washed it away. Lord, if we demonstrate that to the world around us this month, we will have been encouragers. We will have acted in a faithful way that demonstrates what our relationship with you is all about. Lord, I pray that we will do this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.